Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with my friend, Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Very well indeed. Thank you. I really enjoyed that hockey game a lot. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that it? That was a fantastic game. Three nothing win by the Edmonton Oilers. It was a old, it was a, it was a weird combination, Bruce of both firewag and hockey and an old timey goalies duel. It had both things. And uh it was could could have ended up at one nothing. It was heading in that direction before Edmonton pulled away in the in the third period. Um as I said, 14, I think I said 14 grade A chances for the Oilers, 13 grade A chances for the Vancouver Canucks. So a very close game. Huge win. Another one for the Oilers. What are they? Eleven wins in the last thirteen games. Is that yes. what it is? They are now thirteen wins and eight losses. Bruce, this is a, this has been a good team all year. Uh, it's now being rewarded for its um, strong efforts. It's winning a few close games, and um, we'll move right into our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Uh, but because it's a win, we're going to go with two good things each. What would you say is your first good thing? Yeah, I'd have a lot of good things if you let me have more, but I'm just going to take a couple, <laughs> we'll couple, couple of big ones. Uh, um, Got to go with Mike Smith, man. Uh, he's playing with real assurance, and, and uh, uh, he's tracking the puck well. And he was, uh, in the first two periods of this game, he was big, and uh, literally big in the net. And when Vancouver snipers got their looks at, at the net, um, Smith was filling the top corners with his shoulders and, you know, the bottom corners with skates and, and uh, nothing was going through the middle of him and nothing went through him at all the entire game. And uh, some super saves, uh, not too many panic emergencies. I didn't think his puck handling was as sharp as we've seen in other games, but nothing costly. Just there was a couple of sort of, whoa, <laughs> kind of passes, but uh, they uh, got away with him, you know, or he got one that he coughed up around the boards. He got back to the net in time to make an easy save. And uh, say, you know, there was a lot of traffic in front of him. And yeah, it there was there. two or three times during the game where it was just a shooting gallery where Evan couldn't get it out and Vancouver kept hammering away. And I think they probably missed the net more than Edmonton. And yes, they did with uh, 16 missed shots to seven. Now that I look. Heard a few thudding off the end boards, but uh, uh, they were uh, they were trying to fire from everywhere, and they just weren't getting through. And I think the old netminder deserves a little bit of credit in this town. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you deserve some credit for standing up for the signing when it was when it was initially made, uh, Bruce. The um, one of the few people who did. Uh, I didn't this. hate it, which put me like an, uh, in the second percentile. <laughs> you know, when, when they said anyway, he was starting, <laughs> when they said he was starting tonight, I was a little bit. Mm, that's mm. you know, uh, honestly, if he had had a bad yep. game, I would have probably been criticizing the coach for it because I and thought I friend, was. Oh, sorry. I was expecting Koskinen. My friend Mo on Twitter was talking about it this afternoon and says, "Well, if we get the two points, I'll shut my pie hole." So after the game was over, I responded only then and said, how about two points and a shutout? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Smith, uh, Bruce, 13 grade A shots against. Usually that's going to yield up about three or four goals. 
but in this game, it could have been like half of them were the, you know, of the five alarm variety. These were the like 33% plus scoring chance shots. You know, uh, Elias uh, Pedersen firing his one, his absolutely wicked one-timer shots on net. And then there was one um, sequence in the second period where Connor McDavid got deked by Travis Hamannick coming in off the point and Hamannick got a dangerous shot. And then there was two mm-hmm. rebound shots right away um, mm-hmm. that Smith with that Smith stone, but the biggest save of all was the first save of the game, Bruce, that breakaway uh, breakaway save was mm-hmm. uh, on the shorthanded breakaway save. Smith just came up, you know, that's, that's so huge in that, in that moment. Um, when, when it could go either way and we, we've seen how quickly it can go either way with goalies in past years where, you know, the, the, that season Talbot, for instance, led in so many first shots, but for Smith to make that save was just, uh, that had me thinking, okay, I'm wrong. They should have started Mike Smith and not Miko Koskinen. And I shut my pie hole. They were talking about, uh, they were talking about, uh, Vancouver's record scoring first and not scoring first. You know, you think, well, he scored in the, early in the first period. There's a whole lot of game left. But the fact is Vancouver was 0-11 in games where the bad guys, for their, from their perspective, had scored first. And of course, now it's 0-12 because Edmonton eventually scored first tonight. But Mike Smith gave him the chance to score first by keeping that scoreboard locked at 0-0, as did Demko. There was some great goaltending at both ends. That was a high-end game of goaltending, I thought. Vancouver lacks, they got some nasty forwards, Bruce, but they lack that defense, the, the couple shutdown defensemen who can really play the game um, this year. You know, they don't have that Adam Larson type of player on their team or, you know, Wild Bill Loggison or Darnell Nurse. Chris, I don't have and that I, Chris Tanev type player. Yeah. Right? I'll shift to, the, segue that to Darnell Nurse is my good thing, Bruce. I just thought he had a great game. Mm-hmm. He, he um, he's, he... I never saw Doug Harvey play, but you know, the, the, from what I've read of Doug Harvey, just playing such Mm -hmm. a smart, casual game, self-assured, calm, getting the puck, moving the puck, taking guys out of the play, always covering the guys in the defensive slot, never leaving the defensive slot open. That was Darnell Nurse that game. That was a Doug Harvey game. And he not, he not only looked like a, a top pairing defenseman of like everyone's like the, the word on the street in Edmonton now as well. Darnell Nurse, we've all agree he's a most of us agree he's a top pairing defense. Well Bruce, he looked like a number one. He looked like a real honest to goodness number one NHL defenseman. And he's looked like that for the last couple of weeks. And if he can keep this up, he's gonna earn a huge amount of money on his next contract and deservedly so. Keyword earn. I mean if yeah. you play like this then you're gonna you should get rewarded for it. I mean I don't know what something's fixed to switch in the guy, Dave, because he's uh, uh, when he gets the puck now, it's it's like a different guy. It was like before he would he would do something, try and do something quick, move it along, or rifle it out, or or grab it and go with it, skate himself into trouble. Uh, and he's gotten the puck and he's assessing. I mean, Steve Tambellini would love it. He's Boys. so. <laughs> Boys, Boys, man. Yeah. Boys. But I mean, he's getting it and he's sort of saying, I got half a second, I'm going to use it. And he looks up and oh, there's a guy open, I'll just guide the puck over and he can walk it out. I mean, that happened a few times in this game where it was he shut down some cycle or other and then made a good play with the puck. 
his and and so there's that and there's his his just his defensive calm like he's not chasing the the play everywhere in the defensive zone he's covering the defensive slot such a key thing for players to learn is like almost everything bad is going to happen not on the boards not out of the blue line not in the corner it's going to happen in the defensive slot in front of that goalie you've got to cover that off and when when they really get that through their heads as Darnell Nurse seems to have uh, got that through his head this year. Really good things defensively start to happen. And uh, good for him. What is your second good thing, Bruce? Well, Mike Smith was the first two periods. The third period, it was the entire Edmonton Oilers hockey club. They played a fantastic third period. It hardly could be better. Man, that was like early in the third period. I'm going, you know, one nothing. It's looking safe. You know, like they had the puck all the time. Uh, you know, they were covering off, they were winning the battles, they were making the good, safe, short passes, they were walking out of their own zone, they were getting it deep, and then they were keeping it deep. Man, they were just forechecking the crap out of Vancouver. <laughs> for You know, that, that Kara, Archibald, Ennis line had two or three great shifts, or the puck was like behind the icing line for like 70% of the time, and every once in a while, they'd cycle it out to the point, and the point man would cycle it over to the other point, and he'd shoot it into the other corner, and away they'd go again. And in the third period, uh, in a game, this is a game where Vancouver had 28 shots through two periods, and they were the trailing team, and they started the third period on the power play, which was, I mean, Edmonton started on the kill, which wasn't good, but they got a great kill, and from then on, it was just downhill. They were, they were, they were in command, and once they got the second goal on the uh, uh, second power play goal of the game for them, which was the difference in the end, uh, it was... Vancouver was done at that point, but it was, uh, uh, I just thought this, you can hardly play better with the lead than, than the way Edmonton did 13 shots to four. And we had grade a scoring chance in the third period, nursing a one, nothing lead four for Edmonton, zero for Vancouver. <laughs> zero. Indeed. Which is why Mike Smith gets a nine and not a 10, I guess, in your grades tonight. And he had, he had kind of had the third period off. He did. But so he just if had to he had, be outstanding tonight. He didn't have to save the game at the yeah. at the death or anything. We often get a little bit of heat, Bruce, when a goalie has a shutout and makes some really great saves, and we don't give him a ten. But we kind of, I kind of save the ten for like those forty-five, fifty, fifty-five shot games where it's a shutout. And 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 as you say, Smith was in two periods. He was headed for a ten. But then he didn't have one troubling shot, really, overly troubling shot in the third period. Right. So I thought, well, this isn't quite, doesn't quite meet our definition of a transcendent game. It was, it was a truly outstanding game, though, a brilliant game. And he got a nine. So. Outstanding is the word, word equivalent for the nine. And that, I think that covers off Smith quite nicely tonight. Bruce, um, you mentioned the the uh, the third line, the nitty gritty dirt line, as mm -hmm. I call them, and nobody else does. Maybe it'll catch on. Maybe it won't. I, I, there was another name that someone had that was pretty good. Uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Something about, uh, can't remember. Anyway, Bruce, my other good thing is Jujar Kara. Oh. And um, nice. I was practicing that today. Uh -huh, someone sent us the, uh, <laughs> someone sent us the pronunciation, the proper pronunciation one. Uh, I think his name is, uh, is Steve Dillon. I yes. can't remember. You can hear the H. You can hear the H. Kara. Yeah. I am Kara. Kara. And so, yeah, I had a little session of practicing it. Um, and um, Bruce, just a, 
I, I should have probably given him an eight because I'm going to say just a great game from Jujar Kara. Mm-hmm. He, um, he, I, I might, I'm going to just change it right now, Bruce, as we, as we sit and we speak to, right now, I'm changing it from this. This is the kind of thing that can happen at the cult of hockey. You know, when a, when a game grade is reviewed and it's found wanting, we can go on there and change it. Um, Bruce, he, he's never looked even close to this good at the NHL level. This was how good he looked at the AHL level when he was a dominant AHL player. You play him in any situation and he, and he would do well. He's moving the puck well. He's moving his feet and skating well. He's hitting. He's defending well. He gets the puck in his own zone and he's and instead of coughing it up like he did regularly last year, he's making self-assured heads, heads up plays, eyes up passes. What a what a what a remarkable turnaround for for Mr. Kara and real. It's the same guy. Yeah, but he's he's bringing it. Eh? I mean, he had the one breakaway that got stopped. But he's, uh, and I mean, he's getting rewarded with ice time. He got 16 and a half minutes tonight, uh, 429 on the penalty kill, which was the most of any forward on the Oilers. In fact, it was the most of any any Oilers, period, because uh, Chris Russell had 413 to lead the defense. And uh, his work on the PK was, was, was really good. I mean, there were times when they were pinned in their own zone, but they didn't give away any, any sort of major chances by running around. And the play that really caught my attention, I'm sure yours as well, was on the penalty kill in the third period when he jumped on a puck and had a chance to whip it down the ice right away. And he looked up and he realized there was only one guy on him that wasn't going to be able to cover him. And he coasted out into the center zone and he hung on to the puck and he took it all over to the right wing boards and he hung on to it some more. And then he almost beat two guys with an inside move and, and only Elish Patterson checked him his stick just just caught uh, JJ's stick, or he would have been in. And then he still, you know, went into the corner, pursued the puck, and he just killed about 20 seconds off of that penalty with that one uh, long, uh, almost what we used to call ragging the puck. You remember ragging the puck? You don't hear that term anymore. But it was one of those style of plays where Bruce, uh, he just held gonna, on to it. I'm going to give you an Oilers Jeopardy question. Okay. On that play, Jujar Kara ragged the puck like. Oh, that's a good one. Which order? Yeah, yeah. Uh, single order. Single yeah. order penalty okay. kill. I was, think, I was thinking Mike Zook and B.J. McDonald back in the WHA. Well, I, yeah, you're going to tell me who you who you're thinking of. <laughs> It's not a clue. Bruce, who is Craig McTavish? Oh yes, okay, yeah, I'll buy that. He would, uh, he would really hound on that puck, and he'd go along the end wall, and he'd do his stops and starts, right and left, right yeah. and left. And he'd slam on the brakes and he'd go the other way. And he was so strong on the puck and on his feet, they couldn't really do anything about it. So this wasn't quite that, but it was basically a meandering trip all the way up the ice, always going in the right direction. Uh, a lot of sort of east-west in the process, but ticking the time as he did it and allowing the full line change behind him because he was in control. Love it. Think if the Canucks or the Leafs or the Flames had picked up Kara on uh, oh, waivers, waivers. Oh. and he was playing like this for them right now, oh. we would be 
beside we, ourselves. Well, we but we wouldn't be because <laughs> who could usually we're beside her because yeah, like well, we'd be blaming Holland, right? Because you yeah. shouldn't away. Oh yeah, but nobody <laughs> said that at the time. Nobody, no one no, said but it. That doesn't you mean I wouldn't be if he went on to play well somewhere else. If People you're listening have been known to this to podcast, their opinion. If you're listening to this podcast and you said at the time when he was waived, they, this was a terrible mistake by Holland, send me that tweet and we will make sure to read it out on the next podcast. Because I don't think yeah. anybody, I don't think anyone that I saw make that tweet. So I'm, uh, anyway, but thank goodness that didn't here's, happen. Here's Kara's stats tonight, David. Uh, I mentioned his ice time. Three shots on net. Uh, a couple of them were really good shots. Three hits. I know he absolutely crunched some guy in the corner in the early going of the game. He went in like a missile and just hammered the guy into the into the end wall. And five and three for a 63% on the faceoff dot, tied for best on the team. On a night, every order center was over 50%. Yeah, just a little bit. Each one of them would just a yep. little bit, little bit over 500 on the dot, which is really good. You know, Bruce, one of the... This team is compared to the team that was struggling at the start of the year, struggling to win. There's a couple of big differences, and one of them obviously is in net. It's Mike Smith's presence on the team, and it's been huge. He's been maybe the best goalie in the NHL in the last few weeks, arguably. But the other thing is the third and fourth line center positions with Kara and uh, Gaetan Haas. Mm-hmm. coming in and Haas was strong on the PK. He didn't play much at even strength, but he was very strong on the PK as well. He made a few key mm-hmm. plays. So yeah. having those two guys instead of, you know, the other players, um, wow, what a difference it makes. And with Dylan Holloway coming to the team, who's, you know, killing it on the faceoff dot and crushing it as an attacker. Um, now we'll see, maybe, maybe Holloway's going to need a, a, a year in the AHL for all I know, but uh, um, it's going to be interesting that, it looks like they have good depth at center as well. So that's, that's, that's good. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Uh, I'm going to just single out the, a little bit of a, uh, a foster cluck on the first uh, um, Oilers power play when they allowed a clear cut breakaway stretch pass behind Tyson Berry, which uh, Smith warded off. I do think he got a piece of the attempted deke and then the rebound the guy had a complete wide open net and he turned around, he spun around and he fired it wide. And within about four seconds, McDavid had basically a breakaway at the other end, but the, the breakdown beforehand, there were so few, like, I, I, I have very few complaints about this game. I, I you know, I, I was struggling hard to, to think of a bad thing. And other than uh, Josh Archibald getting two minutes for getting thrown into the goalie, uh, the, the, only, the only other one I could think of was this: was the PP getting burned on that one? Just a little bit sloppy, not really, you know, outmanning them around the puck and not really covering that lane, and boom. But as bad things go, I mean, there there just weren't a lot of them in this game, so there there were not. Uh, and I, I also struggled to come up with a bad thing. And the best I could do was Dominic Cahoon, who who had just a super quiet game, um, didn't have a shot on net, didn't make any contributions to a grade A chance for. Of course, he didn't make any major mistakes against either. So it's not like he had glaring mistakes. But, you know, he's been, um, I think he's been, pa- I would say, passable on that line so far, Bruce. Passable, but not, not definitely a keeper on that line yet. And with Dylan Holloway coming, I mean, that's going to be major competition for him 
because the way Holloway scoring in at the college level, you know, I think it's more than two points a game. It's pretty. That's pretty outstanding. Yeah. Pretty and um, he's a he's a big, fast four checking. You know, like yeah. you know, the nineteen ninety orders were were uh, greatly improved when Martin Jelena was given a prominent role, and uh, maybe Dylan mm-hmm. Holloway could be the Martin Jelena of uh, this year's edition of the orders because the, the that second line isn't functioning at at a high level. And it hasn't all year. Yamamoto's even strength point scoring is is down significantly. The rate of scoring is down significantly. Drysaddle's getting about half the number of, if that, of grade eight shots. And even strength that he got last year. They've had some good results goals-wise. Um, but they've had good puck luck in that regard as well. And I think Cahoon, you know, he's he's been okay. But he's got to step it up. He's got to, he's got to find a, just one more level of his game. Maybe it's just... In, in terms of hustle mm-hmm. or confidence. It could be confidence that's lacking. We've seen that with players like Puliyarvi and with Kahara, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where the confidence is lacking and suddenly they, they start to feel it and they get going. So um, anyway, Cahoon's got to step up a little bit more to, to earn his spot on that prominent spot on a very good team. Yeah, well, he was quiet tonight. I mean, last game it was him that had two goals. It is. And a 4-3 orders win, you know, and... and uh, He's in that group of secondary scorers. I wrote about him today, and they've really been on an impressive role. And uh, in the 12 games now, 13, including the zero points tonight, though he had four goals, three assists, uh, seven points, with basically zero, zero, zero time on the power play. I mean, he might have yeah. got a couple of shifts in garbage time some game, but I mean, he really has not. It's all even strength that he's been doing, and that's decent scoring. You know, he's in the role on the on the team. And I always default, or most often default, to the dynasty team. Just where does the guy fit in the structure of the team? And his role on the second line on the wing is what Willie Lindstrom did or what Mark Napier did for the Oilers in the mid-1980s, where he was the third best guy on the second line. But once, every couple of weeks, he would come up with a big goal when you needed it. Um, So I'm... uh, uh, I'd like to see more, absolutely, but uh, I don't hate this player. I only hated him that one time when he had that turnover with against Winnipeg there when he coughed up the winning goal a couple of weeks ago. That was I felt sorry that, for him. That was quite out of character for him. It just kind of went <laughs> sideways. He's he's usually pretty safe, and yeah. uh, he's you know quiet is kind of his like he's like the silent assassin a little bit. Yeah, he, so he's a, it's kind of his calling card. Yeah, he, he is a sound defensive player. He's usually in the right spot, and often he's covering in the defensive slot for Drysaddle. I wonder, you know, remember there used to be that European thing where the where the wingers would cover in the defensive slot um, mm-hmm. in European on European teams? I don't know why they did that, but they, they often, that was their style, and I just wonder if they have a little bit of that going where it's understood that Cahoon will sometimes cover off the defensive slot on that line. Yeah, I, I don't have a major complaint with the player. I just thought he was kind of a little bit invisible tonight, and that's a little bit, what we've seen, but some of that could just be a guy playing positional hockey and trying to, to fill in the gaps. Drysaddle had a great game tonight. I thought he, mm-hmm. he was, yes, uh, yes. other than the one turnover, um, he made some fantastic, absolutely fantastic passes throughout the game and, and was in on the, uh, the insurance goal by Pulley You know, Bruce, with your insurance scoring, mm-hmm. two more, two more, uh, guys, you included Pugliarvi in the list of the uh, yeah. like the non-elite scores. It's, mm-hmm. That's yeah. that was I thought was the only thing that maybe maybe he's bumped up to that higher level. But Chase on and Pugliarvi, uh got the goals tonight. This is a team Bruce with scoring depth 
as you noted, that was a very uh, interesting article. The net front guy got two, both goals that mattered tonight was from uh, Chase on and then Paul Yarby, both cramming the front of the net and cleaning up the, the, the chances in close. And that's what the only way they were able to beat Thatcher Demko tonight. They weren't able to beat him on a breakaway, but uh, they were able to shovel a, a couple of power play shots from close range from the big rangy right-hand sticks. Pugliarvi's had so many good games in a row, Bruce, that I've stopped, like I was keeping count of how many, like he needed to mm -hmm. be consistent. That was my beef with him, um, um, you know, three weeks ago. Well, he's every game since then, he's had a good game. It's just one after another boring, after another. Yeah. He's just, he is playing, because we were talking about him in Finland, right? Like we had mm -hmm. seen that kind of inconsistent play even then, but we are we are not seeing that inconsistent play anymore and he's about to take it. I think he can take it to another level still. We haven't seen yet what he can fully do. And he's he's when he gets there, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Wow. You better save money in your salary cap, is all I'm saying. Did you notice who happened to be sitting in the penalty box when Paul Yarvey scored to put this game away? The hideous little man, Antoine, Antoine Roussel. Antoine Roussel, the guy who punched him in the nose last game, got a two-minute penalty and a $5,000 fine from the NHL. Well, tonight he got to take the skate of shame while the guy he punched celebrated a goal that turned the lights out. That's the way to do it. <laughs> way to go, Jesse. You don't need to punch him in the nose. You just need to score when he's in the box. Very sweet. Done Very deal. sweet. It's the, uh, that was the old Russian strategy. Like, don't punch the guy, just score when they're, when Team Canada takes one of those asinine, when JP Parisi hacks you, don't hack back, just score on the power play. Bruce, what is your number? Uh, I'm going to go with a little number three, not the three, nothing win, but uh, three block shots by one Caleb Jones, who, uh, Took a lot of criticism, some of it from me, frankly, and others who were, you know, we just monitor how the Oilers are getting beat when they do get beat. And he took, and he sat in the press box and apparently spent some time thinking about because tonight, man, he was one game rooster out there, as uh, my friend Low Tide likes to say, just in the battle, joined the battle, blocked the blocking the shots was part of it, but winning battles, getting pucks out, uh, and. They used him on the penalty kill. He was on the PK rotation, played two minutes, 27 seconds. So it's not like they're afraid to use him. And, you know, they had five penalty killers that they were using, and he was he was one of them. And he, uh, uh, he showed a lot of gumption in this game, I thought. And I think that's probably something the coaching staff is, frankly, looking for at this point, you know, fairly or otherwise. I mean, you got to show in this league that uh, – uh, you're not going to get pushed around, and you're not going to back down. And he had the only play he made that I thought was, yeah, he beat uh, he beat the forecheck, and he and went through the center zone, and he slowed down to look for his pass, and some guy zipped up from behind him and pickpocketed the puck off him. And you don't maybe have that second you think you got, and uh, you know when you're skating away, the back checkers come hard in this league, so. Sometimes you have a second that you that you don't use, but that time he didn't have that second and he tried to use it and he got burned. But that's that's a pretty minor um, quibble for what I thought was another pretty good game from Caleb. And again, Oilers with Jones and Bouchard on the ice, uh, about eight minutes each at even strength. Shot attempts eight for Edmonton, four for Vancouver. Like the puck was in the in the Canucks end of the ice when. They were out there more than not, or moving in that direction. 
they both pass so well mm. and um, move around the puck in the offensive end so well that if they can get by defensively, like they're going to, good things are going to happen on the ice. Bruce, the, the wealth of good defensemen on this Oilers team is astonishing. William Logason, mm-hmm. it, it can play in the NHL. He's an mm-hmm. NHL hockey player. He's going to be in the NHL. He's not like Martin Brinson, like who's marginal, you know, like, you know, like, you know, maybe in the NHL. I, I think Logason, he could have a five, 10 year career here in the NHL. And um, who else is out right now? Uh, well, Ethan Bear just came back tonight. Bear came back he, the 70s. He handled that's his right. test pretty well. Yeah. Tonight. And Jones was, Jones was super solid. And it's a, it's a, it's a good position to be in because defensemen tend to get injured. So it's only a matter of time before one of them gets Same. hurt. And, um, you know, they're well stocked to handle the loss right now of any defenseman on this team, except for Darnell Nurse. That would be a hard, that would be a very, very tall order to, to fill the role that he's filling on the team. But other I than that. interested def- to see how Tippett was going to handle the seven defensemen tonight. You know what he did? He basically turned them into eight defensemen and he used Darnell Nurse twice. In the eight, because Nurse had two partners. He played 951 at even strength with Easton Bear, and he played 706 at even strength with Tyson Barry. And all the other guys sort of played equal minutes with each other, right? Uh, uh, Russell and Larson, uh, Bouchard and Jones. Uh, but Darnell did that time on uh, uh, with two different partners. Plus, oh yeah, he played four minutes each on the power play and the penalty kill. You know. <laughs> He's just, yeah. a, he's just a horse out there. And so, um, Bruce, my number is four. That's the number of uh, breakaway chances that the uh, Edmonton Oilers had, and Thatcher Demko stopped every single one of them, starting with Connor McDavid early in the game, kind of a partial breakaway, but he was in a, on, his, on his own in the end, um, set in by a fine pass by Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had a Tyler Ennis winning the puck and, and sending Jujar Kara in on a uh, breakaway chance, uh, a, another stop. We had Kyler Yamamoto stealing the puck, breakaway off the crossbar, and we had Leon Dreisettle stealing the puck breakaway. And and, it, and a great shot, just a great yeah, deke. The old Mark Messier opened him up and slipped it through the five hole on the backhand deke. And Demko came across with his knees together. That was that was some impressive net minding there. Usually the goaltender's got no point, no choice really, but to open up on a hard forehand to backhand by such a big man with a big shift as as Drysaddle has. And he uh, he kept it together, and there was no hole. So more power yeah. to him. That was a good save. I guess you could fault like a, I, the chase on goal was just a really tough play. You could off. It was kind of off the post too, like off the post and in. Oh. You could fault him on the Pulleyarv goal, but you know, Vancouver didn't score, so that goal didn't even matter in the end. Like uh, Demko was just, he was fantastic tonight, and he, he deserved better than than the loss that he got and the lack of goal support from the Canucks. That is a the Canucks and the Flames, Bruce. I kind of want to say too much. I don't want to jinx. Like, I'm a little bit superstitious. But those two game, those two teams don't look like the teams that they look like last year at all to me. Winnipeg, the, the the teams, the two teams that I'm scared of are the Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets, and the team I'm scared of the most is the Winnipeg Jets. If I'm completely honest, yeah. it's not the Maple Leafs. I just think, it, for somehow, 
whereas Vancouver and Calgary's defense is struggling, Van- Winnipeg's no-name defense isn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, those guys are tough defensive players who are really good defensive players. So, But Vancouver is strangely listless. Yeah, they didn't have a lot um, a lot of pushback in the third tonight. They did play hard for... They did. Really the first... Uh, you know, the, the the first part of both games, and Oilers gradually took control of of both games. But uh, they uh, they looked like a beaten club there down the stretch tonight, didn't they? They sure did. They're what eight, fourteen, and two. They've already played twenty four games, two more even than Edmonton. And I think they're you know I think they're bagged. Like they played twenty four. Days and the season started uh, six weeks ago yesterday. So 24 games in 44 days, and that's just not a lot of rest days. And I mean, obviously they got some coming, but it might be too late for them at the position they've got themselves in the standings. What was the score in the Montreal game tonight? Ah, uh, uh, I don't know. I know that Ottawa beat Calgary six to one. And, <laughs> and this made me smile for some Riddich, reason. Riddich. Uh, Riddich got the, yeah. Slammed his head against the uh, against the boards, or against the wall as he was leaving the ice. And, uh, and I'm very... <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a bit of a uh, hothead at times, eh? I mean, he's an emotional guy, and that powers him at some times and not at other times, I guess. So, six to one. Montreal three, Winnipeg six. So new coach got smoked in his debut. Yeah, I just saw. Okay, I'm just calling up the standings here. Okay, so the Leafs have a 762 winning percentage at this point. Winnipeg 658, and the Oilers 636. Montreal 579. Uh, Calgary 476, Vancouver 375, and Ottawa 341. So coming on. there seems to be a little separation here, Bruce, with three teams at the top. Um, and right. and we'll see if Montreal or Calgary can make a move and, um, and, and kind of claw back into that top group, or if they're going to be the two teams uh, battling it out for the, the uh, fourth playoff spot. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Man, Edmonton, five-game winning streak here, Bruce. This is, this is you know, this isn't with mirrors. This is a good Oilers team. This is a team that consistently outchances the other teams. And if they get equal goaltending, like they got tonight, um, they're going to win games, lots of them. Well, they're plus 14 goal differential on the season now. And I remember after game 10, after the first segment review, they were minus six at that time. So they're plus 20 in the last 12 games. I mean, obviously, when you're, you know, winning 10 out of the 12, that's by scoring more goals than the other team, but plus 20. It's pretty good. In a, in a span like that is very impressive. Um, who's up next? Who do we got Toronto, next? Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Oh, my goodness. Three Here in a go. row, all in Edmonton. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, And this is going to settle... Um, this is going to go a long way in settling the MVP debate because whoever, if you, if one team, if one guy can come out far ahead 
in this series of games, it'll kind of set the narrative and it's it's hard to break it um, once it gets going. So uh, we'll see what's ha- we'll see what happens. Bruce, Mike Smith in seven games has a 944 save percentage. Um, that's of goalies who have played more than five games in this year. That's the highest save percentage one, yeah. in the NHL. Mark Andre Fleury is uh, at 9.42. So we're seeing we're seeing a version of Mike Smith that we regularly saw when he was with Phoenix. He's having a what is it a renaissance, uh, second wind in he his said, career. He said he felt rejuvenated in the post game interview, and that seemed like a good word. Sure. Uh, and he's he seems very very on top of it and 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 not in the net but also you know in interviews and stuff uh, he's been on he he tackles them no problem very different from a lot of goalies not responding I mean, how often you see a goalie do a post game but uh, he did tonight and had a second shutout to celebrate, so I guess he might as well do it. He was first star. <laughs> he could probably talk for like ten hours if he wanted to. Alrighty, man. Well, Bruce, it was a, it was a, it's just been such a satisfying run. It's it, it this this has such a different feel than any kind of Oilers discussion we've had in the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like, this feels like we're talking about a team that can compete. For, really compete for the Stanley Cup. And uh, I, I rise, couldn't be yeah. happier. I couldn't be happier, Bruce. Especially because well, Connor Mc... This is, this is prime time for McDavid and Drysaddle. This is justice for them in terms of being on a on a team that can compete for the Cup. And, and slowly but surely, you know, some moves made by Peter Shirelli drafting those defensemen. Some of them by McTavish earlier on and a lot of them by Ken Holland. These, the pieces of this team have been put together and it's a high-functioning team right now with uh, four solid lines, four sets of defensemen who can play hockey, and uh, the best goalie in the NHL. <laughs> 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 right. well, 9.44, you know, that's the all-time record for save percentage in a season held by one Jacques Plante uh, very late in his career. Uh, uh-huh. Jacques Plante, they, they went back. And they used to think that uh, Hashik's 9.37 was the best, and then Brian Elliott got to 9.40, and that was the best. But what they did was they went back through old game sheets, and they filled in the uh, shot uh, save percentage from pre-1979 back into the, uh, I think, at least to the original six, uh, end of the original six first expansion. I'm not quite sure how far back yeah. it went, but Jacques Plante had 9, 9.44, I think, when he was with Toronto. Or St. Louis, right at the very end of his career, and that's actually the record. So Mike Smith is on—he's on that pace, man, and he's younger than Jacques Plante was at that time. So <laughs> it's a funny stat because you know, I, some in some arenas, I don't really trust the official scorers. Yeah, uh, to get it right on shots, shots on goal. Um, I'm a little skeptical of Montreal, honestly. There was a game against the Oilers earlier this year where they were just missing shot after shot for the Oilers and giving shot after shot to the Habs. So maybe that's not correct, but uh, that that was my impression from that game. Bruce, uh, let's leave it there. Thanks for yeah. Talking. Here we are. Yeah, oh. nineteen seventy seventy one with Toronto. He played uh, forty games at age forty two, and he stopped uh, all but seventy three of one thousand two hundred ninety seven shots. Is there are there safe 189 goals against average? 
Are they he listed was, on Hockey DB or uh, Hockey Reference? Has Hockey it. Reference has that yeah. corrected. Yeah, I love that when they when they go back and do that with the stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I think the NHL site does as well, but it's easier to find on Hockey Reference. I find so. Anyway, well, that's that's the highest single season number ever. I'm just so looking at I, Ken Dryden's yeah. save percentages in the. Uh, 70s with the Habs. Pretty good save percentages, Ken Dryden. He, he had an average save percentage of 922. Yeah, I like, I went back and I did the scoring chances on the Team Canada Russia 1972 series, and that was a lot of fun for, for me, which is a total, the biggest hockey nerd thing I've probably ever said in my life. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.